Sanctuary Church, I'm so grateful to get to be here and share with you a Mother's Day message. It is a Mother's Day message for those who might be feeling lost or for those who have experienced some kind of loss and for everybody in between. Um, Today we're going to look at the parable of the lost sheep, which is found in Luke chapter 15, verses 3 through 6. But before we do that, I'm going to pray and then give you an introduction about who I am. So God, we thank you that even when we are meeting on far apart through a TV screen or a computer screen, that you are here in our midst, that you are with us, that you have a word for everybody listening, God. Um, I pray that you speak through me the words that you desire to land people's hearts today. Uh, Thank you for this honor and privilege for this church. Lord, we pray for health. Uh, We pray for abundance. And we pray for your blessings today. We pray a special blessing on everyone who acts as a mother in any capacity, God, that you bless them, especially this day. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Okay, so I'm Heather Avis. Two years ago, I got to be with you guys at church, but physically in a building with all of you, and we got to hug and shake hands and meet one another on Mother's Day two years ago when I got to share with you a little bit about my family. So for some of you, uh, my introduction may be redundant. For others of you, I feel like I need to at least give a little bit of an introduction because I this may be our first time meeting. So Um, First, I need to tell you how I know Rod and Kirsten, Pastor Rod and Kirsten. I've known them the majority of my life. Um, Kirsten used to babysit me. And then, so I knew them before they were married. And then I actually babysat all three of their kids, starting when Forrest was a little tiny baby and did overnights with them on the weekends. All three of their boys were actually ring bearers in my wedding. So I've known the Collins for a very long time, have a deep love for all of them. Um, My husband and I got married almost 18 years ago. His name is Josh. And I was 20 when we got married. He was 23. We were very young. And we, I had a year left in college. We did what a lot of young married people do. And we traveled and lived off of Top Ramen and worked part-time jobs and just lived our first four years of marriage, applying for jobs, finishing school, starting new careers. We bought our first house. Like I said, we traveled a ton. And it was about four years in that we decided we wanted to start a family. Um, And so about, I'd say about six months into trying to get pregnant, I started to panic a little bit. And people would say, six months isn't that long. But I also think that when you're trying to get pregnant, it's all of a sudden like dog years, where six months now feels like many, many more months or years, possibly. And those six months turned into more months, turned into more months until I was actually by a doctor diagnosed with infertility and couldn't find out that I, and found out that I couldn't have kids naturally. Um, That news was absolutely crushing to me. I can actually think back to many, many Mother's Days that I just wanted them to pass as quickly as possible, even though I had an amazing mother and an incredible mother-in-law to celebrate, that loss of not being able to get pregnant and not being able to have a baby myself um, was magnified on Mother's Day. It was a painful, painful day for me. But our story goes that we, we realized that there was not one way to become a parent. And so we actually were at a crossroads between in vitro fertilization, which IVF, or adoption. And my husband and I chose the road of adoption. Um, and in 2008... We brought home our first child through adoption. She was born in Los Angeles. And we, it's a very long, complicated story. I've actually written a whole book about it called The Lucky Few. So I'm leaving out 
plenty of details here. But we found out, we went with a private agency. We wanted a healthy baby. And our social worker called us and said, hey, things are really slow here, but we happen to have a couple of babies with Down syndrome. You're like, hang in there. Your profile has been viewed a couple of times. And um, Down syndrome wasn't something we were open to. But as soon as I heard that news, God sparked something in my heart and changed my life forever. Long, long story short, um, in two, October 2008, we brought home our daughter, Mason. Mason has Down syndrome. She has had a congenital heart defect. She came home on oxygen 24-7 because she had this very rare lung condition that required oxygen and tons of medication. And so our intro into motherhood was very different than what I had thought it would be. Um, fast forward some time, a month after coming home, Mason had open heart surgery. It went amazing. And I just had this front receipt to a miracle. Fast forward two more years, and we have this miracle of healing in her lungs take place. Um, her, she was seeing a pulmonologist who just threw the door open and said, take her oxygen off. Um, the disease that she had was gone. And so this little girl that we were so scared of, that was nothing I had planned for, just ushered us into this front receipt to miracles. And so we knew we wanted to grow our family some more. And in 2011, we started the process. We started the process again in 2010. In 2011, got a phone call about a little girl, no disabilities, no special needs, um, no health issues. Um, did we want her? We were told a little girl who was Hispanic. And at the time she was five months old, we said, absolutely, we're going to take any baby that God had for us. And so Truly, we named her Truly Star, came home a week shy of six months. And I felt at that point in life, I had been parenting for a few years and I thought I was doing a great job with my first child. I, I was like patting myself on the back, constantly thinking I'm this great mom, and enter my second child, who is nothing like my first child, and therefore I felt like I had to parent all over again. Maybe some people can relate to that. Um, truly rocked my world in all the best ways, showed me all of the areas in my life where I needed God desperately, and I have this honor and privilege of raising up this little world changer and world leader, um, and our story doesn't stop there, so truly came home. And then in 2013, we started the adoption process again, hoping it would be about a year before we would bring our third child home. Because at the moment, I had a three-year-old or two, a two-and-a-half-year-old and a five-year-old. I felt pretty maxed out in that season with the personalities and the abilities of my kids, my girls. And in October, we got a phone call from a friend who had just found out, had just interacted with a woman who was seven months pregnant, had an in utero diagnosis for a congenital heart defect and Down syndrome, and would we want this baby? And while neither of those diagnoses were our plan, um, it, we just knew that this was going to be our son. And so two months later, he was born, August Riker Avis. He had heart surgery at four months old, and his heart is totally healthy and great today. Um, so today, I, I stand before you as the mother to an almost 12-year-old. She'll be 12 next month a nine-year-old and a six-year-old. And it has been quite the ride. And my kids are just a constant testament and a reminder that God fiercely pursued my heart, even when it felt like it was broken, and that he orchestrated in, in my life what will always be better than anything I could ever think of or dream of or imagine. So let's look at this scripture now. Um, I want you, if you have a Bible, if not, I'm going to read it here. So it's Luke chapter 15, verses 3 to 6. If you've been in church many times, this is a familiar story. 
um, but I'm hoping God has a new word for all of us today. So Luke chapter 15, verses 3 to 6. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and he says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I think the fact that we're spending this Mother's Day on a screen together uh, because of this virus, the coronavirus that we are all been now living with, at least we've known that we're living with it for the last eight weeks, and we're all sensing some kind of loss today on this Mother's Day because we're having to be apart from one another. And so this message, while it is for all the women out there, um, whether you find yourself as a mom today or not, I also believe that God has a sweet message for everybody listening. So there's something for everyone today. And in honor of Mother's Day, um, I'm going to tell you before we get to what God has to say, let me tell you about a major mom fail in my, in my own life. Okay, so when my kids were one, four, and six, my husband and I had moved to the Los Angeles area. And because we were in L.A., we had bought season passes to the Los Angeles Zoo. If you've not ever been to the L.A. Zoo, it is awesome. I highly, highly recommend it. It's closed right now, I'm assuming. Um, Maybe someday it's open. If so, take your family there. It is worth it. It's beautiful. And so the way that the L.A. Zoo is set up is when you walk inside, it goes up into these hills. And... um, you go through and there's this, these main paths that kind of break off and then wrap around. And off of the main paths are all of these littler paths with the different animal exhibits. And at the LA Zoo, hands down, our favorite exhibit for all five of us is the orangutans. The orangutans are the best. And so we, we would walk up that direction. And when you got to the orangutan exhibit, you'd leave the larger path and go into the smaller path. And it would curve around and let out where the main path was, just like up a ways. And so once you went in, there, was, there were the two ways in and out in this space. And usually what would happen is we would go in this season with a double stroller, like a side-by-side giant double stroller. And our son would usually ride the whole time, occasionally getting out to greet the animals. And our daughters would take turns jumping into the other seat. But when we would enter an animal exhibit, everyone's out of the stroller. And as my husband and I would say, when all of the kids at that age would leave and scatter, it was a divide and conquer moment. So we would just each be like, I've got this kid, I've got this kid, and then we'd go. And so something got lost in translation, but I was following our son, August, and he was walking up, he was toddling a new walker, and I was pushing the stroller behind him. And he was, um, there was like an area where there was like a glass, plexiglass partition, or plexiglass partition that you could see into the animals, and they would come straight up to it, and then there were other areas where it was, there was a distance between you and like a big rope kind of a fence that the um, orangutans would hang from. And so he's toddling around, we're having a blast. And then I turn back around and walk down the path. And my husband's walking up and he has our oldest daughter, Mason, and he's holding her hand. And we look at each other and I go, where's Truly? And he said, as though it was a movie in tandem, we both were like, I thought you had her. And it was just like, oh, panic just set in for both of us. And without missing a beat, Josh, my husband, like tosses Mason towards me and he 
turns around and he says, I'm going this way to look for her. And he just leaves the exhibit and starts walking down the main path. And so within a split second, I've got Mason and August with me. I've got the double stroller. And my, the thing that makes the most sense is to walk up and the other direction and find her. And as I go to put the kids in the stroller, I look up and the path is so packed. And the thought of pushing that stroller with my two kids in it, it was going to slow me down significantly. And it was going to hinder my ability to find my missing child. And so I don't know why I thought of this, but I put both my kids in the stroller. I buckled them tight, both of them having Down syndrome, meaning also meant that they were working on their fine motor skills. So they weren't able to unbuckle themselves. I knew that for a fact. They weren't able to at that point. And I pushed the stroller all the way up against the partition between them and the orangutans. I lock it and I leave them. And I, and I hustle up the path as quickly as I can, making way better ground much more quickly because I wasn't pushing that giant stroller. Also thinking I'm an idiot for leaving them. And so I make my way around as quickly as I can, maybe 90 seconds. And as I'm coming back around to meet the, the stroller to check on my kids that I've left behind, my husband's walking up with our curly-haired explorer, holding hands with her. And I run and I scoop her up and I just start weeping. And it had been three minutes, maybe, that she had been missing. And only two of those minutes did I even realize she was missing. But for three minutes, for a mother missing a child, it felt like a lifetime. And so I held her in my arms and I cried tears of relief. And I just knew in that moment there was nothing that I wasn't going to do to try to find my missing child, including do what I thought was safe and smart, which meant leaving my other two kids behind. I have found that the heart of God is the heart of a mother in search of her child. It is the heart of a mother who is aware when one child goes missing and a mother who will stop at absolutely nothing to find and to rescue and to bring home that one child. And today on this day that we've set aside to celebrate and to honor mothers, I also recognize that many of us aren't exactly in the mood to celebrate. Because many of us have experienced or are in the midst of experiencing some very serious loss. I know that we're all feeling lots of lost for lots of different reasons. Um, some of us are feeling lost simply because of this way new, uh, this new way of living, and we don't know the end date to it, and we don't know if we'll ever have our normal back. And for those who are at home with small children, you are drained to your max, and the thought of spending Mother's Day with your kids is, awful, is kind of an awful-sounding thing. <laughs> um, and you're just no longer finding joy in your motherhood. Some of us are feeling lost because you're not going to get to celebrate with your mom today or because you're not going to get to celebrate with your kid or your grandkids because of shelter-in-place orders and guidelines. Some of you are feeling lost today because your relationship with your child or your children has always been incredibly taxing. And the time that we've had over these weeks has condensed that, and there's a sense of hopelessness, wondering if you can ever enjoy being with your child again. Some of you might be feeling lost today because you're a single mom and it's just you and your kids and the only way that you're going to get to be celebrated is if you celebrate you and you're frankly quite exhausted. Other people, I think, today are feeling lost because they have experienced an unthinkable loss. 
maybe this is a day that you wanted to skip, that every second leading to today just gave you a pit in your stomach and you cannot wait to be rescued by tomorrow. Maybe you were like me all those years ago and you've been trying to get pregnant for months or for years and today is just a magnifying glass on your empty arms and your empty womb. Or maybe you've had a failed adoption or maybe you've been a foster parent and you've had to say goodbye to kids and send them to a place that you know is not as safe as your home. Maybe you're a bereaved parent today and this day of celebrating being a mom after having lost a child is nothing short of salt in the wound. Even if you have other kids who can celebrate you as mom. Or maybe today you're without a mother because you've lost your mother. Or because your mother abandoned you in some way and you carry that hurt. Or maybe you're feeling lost today because your family's a product of divorce and this day just feels too confusing and too tricky to have to manage and navigate and this it's just a reminder of the things that you have lost in your own life and in the life of your family if you find yourself in one or more of these categories or in a category that i missed then chances are today you are feeling lost and you are feeling forgotten but i want to remind you as we remember this verse in scripture about the shepherd going after a lost sheep, I want to remind you that Jesus is fiercely and frantically and joyfully after you. I'm going to say that again. Jesus is fiercely and frantically and joyfully after you. Jesus is leaving everything behind, everything behind in search of you and your broken heart. And Jesus doesn't want to scold you when he finds you, he's not after you to scold you and to tell you that you shouldn't feel the way you feel or you shouldn't act the way that you act. But he's after you so that he can bring you back into the fullness, which is his love. Jesus is in search of you so that he can scoop you up and cry tears of relief and tears of joy at being together with you. Because Jesus is crazy about you, about every one of you. And just like a mother who will stop at nothing to keep her child safe, even when it seems foolish, even a mother who will leave her children at the orangutan exhibit to find her lost child, Jesus is after your heart with fierce and seemingly foolish love, leaving behind the 99 in search of you. So for everyone who feels a sense of loss today, for everyone who feels alone and feels broken or abandoned or afraid, Jesus is seeking after you right now leaving everything and coming after you. And as I was going over these, these scriptures, I really felt like God impressed upon my heart that there's a word for those of us who would find ourselves within the 99. Um, to those who actually can't relate to the experiences that I just listed. And that's okay if you can't, if you're not in that place. It is, there's nothing wrong with everything being right. But can I just throw out a little word of caution? And really, it's a word of caution to all of us. It's a lesson I believe Jesus is trying to teach when he shared this parable. So when you look at the scripture just before he shares this parable of the shepherd going after the one sheep, he's telling this to sinners and the Pharisees are listening in. And the Pharisees are feeling frustrated that Jesus is doing life with 
and loving on people who are sinners. And they're complaining about this because they don't understand it. Um, they're, feeling, they're, they're feeling confused about the way in which Jesus is living and encouraging others to live. And because they're confused about it, they're not trying to understand it. And so they're just casting judgment on it. So that's what's happening right before this is being told. Sometimes when everything seems to be working in our favor, um, when we think that we're making all the right choices and things are going exactly as we had planned, we are in the majority. So we're in the majority and we're fitting in our society just fine. I think that for some of us, there's a lack of a lostness that can create a narrow-mindedness. I remember before I had kids, when I was still trying to have kids, um, and I was very comfortably part of the 99. I was making good choices. I was making plans for a successful and a resistant-free future. And my heart, be, my heart was hard and judgmental towards certain kinds of moms. It's embarrassing to say so, but it's just true. I had a hard, judgmental heart towards moms who weren't able to parent, moms who did choose adoption plans, or moms whose kids were in foster care systems. I had a hard and judgmental heart towards moms who were single, who got, who got pregnant before they were married, and who were, who were raising kids by themselves. I had a hard and judgmental heart towards moms who let their kids watch certain shows for a certain amount of time a day, or who allowed their kids to eat certain foods or dress a certain way. I think because of the ease in which I've been able to live my life for all of those days, and because of my lack of lostness, of feeling lost, I was extremely narrow-minded. I was just like the Pharisees, I think. I was comparing my good and my neat and my holy life to those whose lives seemed to be a little more messy or a little more chaotic or those who seemed to be lost. When Jesus is telling the story about this radical shepherd who leaves the 99 to go in search of the one, he does not give a lesson in which the one that he goes after is shamed, where he compares the one and the choices that one made to the 99 and then praises the 99 for making good choices. His actions to leave the 99 and go in search of the one, he doesn't do it and compare them, but instead he shows compassion. Because Jesus never calls us to a life of comparing, he calls us to a life of compassion, always. And while this parable was a lesson being taught to those who felt lost and to those who felt broken, it was also a lesson being taught to the Pharisees who were listening in while he was sharing and to those who are feeling justified and to those who are feeling judgmental as they compare their seemingly holier lives to those who are living in brokenness. When I left my two kids in the stroller at the zoo and I left them behind, I think that there could have been people who hear the story or who watched and thought, what kind of a mom is going to leave her kids behind. I would never do something like that. Comparing their experiences and comparing what they think is right or wrong to what I did. And at the same time, there were going to be parents who will hear that or who saw it. And just instead of comparing how they would have responded, only felt compassion towards me and towards the loss that I was experiencing as I went in search of my daughter. When these kind of comparisons are brought up, and when we compare our lives to the lives of others in a way that's judgmental, it's only going to get in the way of compassion. And the thing about Jesus when he told all these parables 
is he was never just teaching one obvious lesson to one group of people. Jesus had everybody listening in mind with every lesson that he taught. So today on this Mother's Day, whether you are feeling great joy celebrating your, your mother or being celebrated as a mom, or whether you're feeling great pain and you're feeling loss, Jesus is with you exactly where you are. And he is in search of you no matter where you find yourself. And by searching for us, he's showing us that compassion wins over comparison every single time. And that no matter how lost or how far you may feel, he is always in search of you so he can scoop you up, carry you home, and lavish you with his radical and his foolish love. I pray that you have a very blessed Mother's Day today, no matter where you find yourself. Thank you.